I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Uh, So a quick little intro here before we throw it to this week's episode. Um, uh, Patreon. Yeah, I'm all looped up on Ativan right now. Dude, are you okay? People have have been asking. Yeah, so we we recorded an episode earlier today uh, from my hospital room, Um, but that's not this week's episode. We're going to release that episode next week. So if you want to hear how I'm doing, then tune in next week and find out that I might be, I might, this might be my last week on earth. I don't know. We'll find out. I I don't don't know if you can say that. I don't know. I mean, I could say that. We don't know that. Okay, but people are probably going to be curious now if you're going to be okay or not. That's how that's how the in, in, entertainment industry works, baby. You gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta make them just make them crave crave the un, crave the answers to the unknown. That's right. Did you ever watch Lost? Uh, I, I did a little bit. It's exactly like that. Don't give them answers until until it's too late. <laughs> okay. Wasn't Lost a terrible show? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm okay. I just have a little bit of pneumonia. I'll be in the hospital for an undisclosed amount of time. We'll, we'll hopefully um, it won't be too long. The cool thing about that episode that we recorded earlier today, though, was it was just um, you and Taylor and I. It was a host episode, yeah, and it was um, nice. we haven't we haven't done one of those in a while. Um, we're actually going to be doing those more often. Um, we're in the process of revamping our Patreon page. Um, and one of the things that we're going to be giving to uh, people who are contributing five dollars a month or more is a behind-the-scenes host episode once every month, um, and I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Uh, it was a nice conversation that we had today, and and uh, and everyone who's listening right now can tune in next week, next Monday. For that conversation, uh, but if you if you do want to support us uh, on Patreon, you can go there now, Patreon.com/sickboy, and uh, and you know what I do want to say, <clears throat> the episode that we are throwing to today with uh, our our new friend Justin Baldoni uh, probably couldn't have happened if it wasn't for our Patreon subscribers. So absolutely so to all of you, thank you so much. Uh, this past trip to LA was um, extremely valuable for us. It was really productive. We had some incredible conversations, as you may have already heard, Derek's conversation from last week, mm-hmm. talking about HIV. And we've got some really, really wicked um, conversations on on the docket for, for the next couple of weeks from that trip. So I think you'll I think you'll get the the vibe of of where we're going with this once you hear um, today's conversation because Justin Baldoni is an incredibly beautiful human being. I want him to be my dad, my brother, and my boyfriend all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I felt about it too. You know, like 
well, I guess not at the same time because like that's that wouldn't be okay. But like, in you know, it's, it's like it feels like he's all of those things. You know, the to way me. that the way that you said it so so lovingly, you got me on board with it right away. And then as soon as you um, shone a little bit more light on what you actually yeah, said, yeah, I felt weird about weird. it. Uh, he's an amazing dude, and if you're not familiar with his work, he uh, he he's an actor, uh, a director, a producer. Um, but most importantly, he he has a film coming out this week, uh, this Friday, um, uh, the fifteenth of March. It'll be released uh, worldwide, or I mean, North America wide for sure. Maybe worldwide release. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called Five Feet Apart, and it's about two people living with cystic fibrosis and and a little little love story. Dude, the love story. Oh man, it's just so good. It was a pretty amazing movie. We talk about it a bunch in this episode, but. Uh, uh, I implore all of you this week, go to your theaters, go check it out. It puts CF on the map. It's it's pretty special. Um, and we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. And uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, supporting us on Patreon. Thanks for your continued support always. And uh, big love to everybody listening right now. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Justin Baldoni. He's the director of the upcoming film Five Feet Apart. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. No we, rush. We just, no rush. Take we, your time. We just, we just roll. We're, we're never not recording. We're, we're constantly... On the move. Check, yeah. check, check. Yeah, you're, yeah. there we go. Uh, feel free to pull that thing right up and get it uncomfortably close to your face. Um, the one thing I would say, Justin, yeah. that see that little cord there sticking out of that box? Yeah. Whatever you do, don't, don't even touch it. If it's, it's so finicky. Don't touch it. In our travels, something happened. <laughs> it's in become our, finicky. Our, yeah, yeah our, our equipment's a little, uh, little, Just, little bit of fuckery be, going on. It'll be the end of the Sick Boy podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It'll be the end of this. It'll be the end of this particular podcast. Yeah, this particular That's right. podcast. Justin, it's uh, it's super sweet to meet you because um, Jer's been been talking you up ever since uh, you guys crossed paths in uh, San Francisco. Has he ever? Yeah, I think I've really only been talking up the the oatmeal uh, the oat milk latte. The oat milk latte. I yeah. have heard very much about the oat milk latte. You know, I feel like I had an epic fail this morning because I should have like greeted you guys with. Three oat milk lattes, oh. and because there's a blue bottle right there, that's what we're doing after this. Is that the is that the spot? That's the spot. And that was in San Fran. It was in San Fran. Yeah. That's what that's what I should have done. If I was a good host and was not so selfish, well, that's okay. <laughs> hey, that's I okay. mean, you can redeem yourself some other time. <laughs> but, uh, I will. You know what? I'll buy the blue, the blue bottle oat milk lattes. How oh? about that? Oh my oh, god, you're, you're, you're too sweet. It's the least I could do. <laughs> too sweet because they are. I think they're seven dollar lattes. So you know what? <laughs> uh, okay. So we'll call them. And, the, we'll call them the um, the American minimum wage lattes. I was gonna say that's that's seven American <laughs> yeah, yeah. dollars. So I, I'm just gonna wash some dishes for an hour and then get this latte. <laughs> uh, dude, I just want to say um, right off the bat before we we get into anything else i just want to say thank you so much thank you so much for five feet apart oh holy fuck i'm about to i'm about to already <laughs> oh oh man dude we we went to go see it we went to go see a screening uh two nights ago and it was 
So for those of you who don't know, uh, Justin just directed a film called Five Feet Apart. It is coming out uh, in March, um, and it is about um, a young girl named Stella and uh, uh, a boy named Will, and they both live with cystic fibrosis. They're both in um, living in the hospital, um, and they... They're, they sh- they're both in for... Uh, Stella's in for a tune-up. That's right. Was there for a treatment. Yeah. That's right, and uh, they 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 strike up this friendship and and romance. But um, like a lot of people who listen to this podcast know, people with cystic fibrosis can't actually hang out with each other. We we can't spend too much time in close proximity with one another because we can make each other quite sick. And uh, it, it was the first time I've ever watched a film <clears throat> where the the characters in the film were living with the same thing that I have, have. And I've always, I've, we've spoken to people, you know, we've spoken to people who are overweight and they've, they've said something like, I rarely get the opportunity to see someone like myself represented in media. And I, I've, I've heard that a number of times from, from an assortment of people. And I've thought, yeah, yeah, I guess I, I would never really know what that's like. Um, and then to have been in the position of seeing it on the screen, like the first time I've ever felt like, oh, wow, this this is me. Mm. Oh man, it's so fucking trippy, man. It's so trippy. It is such a it's such a visceral experience. Yeah, to see that, you know, to to, and it, I know I know that there's people listening where it's like it's not really it, this might not be resonating with you specifically, but like to see someone on a screen and have have someone say, "Hey, like Will, don't forget to take your crayon." Like just that, I remember just I remember my heart almost stopping and being like, "Whoa, whoa." Anyway, I, what I'm trying to it say means is a lot to me, man. It really means a lot to me. And that movie meant a lot to me. Mm. Also, it was a fucking good movie. Oh my god, <laughs> it was yeah. really good. It was really good. That, because, that's what. That's what that would have sucked if this was about to turn. But why couldn't you make it good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was so much room. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it you was. Know? You know, but but the thing is, is, is like even as somebody who doesn't have cystic fibrosis, and you know, I know I'm, I'm probably slightly biased because of my relationship with Jeremy and my proximity to cystic fibrosis but like even for somebody who doesn't who couldn't see myself necessarily in the characters for the same reasons that Jeremy could I could still see myself in the characters you know like it's it's that like that beautiful love story too and yeah. and and the feeling of like knowing like knowing the the feeling of truly being in love and seeing two people who are experiencing that but can't physically express mm. that like that was it was heartbreaking. It's very profound. Well, what, what was your inspiration for the movie? Like, where did it? Where does it come from? Well, it, it started with. Um, it started, you know, I started making these documentaries called "My Last Days" about seven years ago. I know mm-hmm. Jeremy and I have talked about that, and it really transformed my life in the way that I viewed the world because I basically chose to give up all the like the luxuries and the material things that I was spending my 20s trying to acquire mm. with an acting career uh, to spend time with people with terminal and chronic illnesses um, and help tell their story. And it was a really interesting thing to be 27 and go from trying to make everything like me, 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 I, 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 right, to, to lifting up other people and actually giving them a platform, which I found to be far more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of where I found, I think, my purpose and my service. 
Um, and it was through that process. Acting eventually came back. I got the show Jane the Virgin. And we ended up selling My Last Days to the CW and, uh, and became like this yearly event, right? Um, and, and we did a documentary on a young woman named Claire Wineland, mm-hmm. who was my first introduction to cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And Claire Wineland, and I know Jeremy uh, was a fan of hers, is just like just a force of nature. Mm-hmm. Like she was this tiny little woman. When I met her, she was 18 or 19. And just like, just so much larger than life, and it was hard to kind of understand what this illness was because in many ways it's invisible, mm-hmm. right? Um, so she be, she was this huge advocate for all things CF, but more than anything, she was an advocate for explaining to the world that just because you are sick doesn't mean your life is not fulfilling and beautiful and amazing and that it's amazing despite being sick and that she she was so big on never being defined by her illness um and that she just she had an illness but that she wasn't like that wasn't her yeah um and so in a conversation with her you know because she's 18 19 years old and of course, inevitably, one of the things I'm going to ask her about is her love life mm-hmm. as we're talking. And this wasn't even on camera. This was just her and I as friends. And I said, have you ever dated somebody else with CF? Because I feel like you know, everyone with CF that I know is so unique because you spend a fourth of your life in the hospital in many ways, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it seems like of all the people to end up together, like another mm. CFer would be... You'd have so much in common. You'd have so much in common. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, know, you could time your tune-ups together or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and she just looked at me like... Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. She's like, I don't even have any friends that are CFers. And it was the weirdest like mm. reaction. It's almost like when somebody sees a spider and they hate spiders or it's, yeah, it's just yeah. like, ah, no, yeah. no. And I had no idea where that was coming from. And then that's when she told me that CFers can't date, let alone touch. And a lot of CFers aren't even friends with each other. And their only communication with each other is via technology or yeah. in chat rooms or message rooms or, right. or that, Facebook or wherever. That was my... When, when Jeremy and I met, and Jeremy and I met about nine years ago, and my introduction to him, we met in Brazil. Uh, okay, we are back. We're so, back. The, it's, what's so funny about podcasting is people are like, what do you mean you're back? You were just, you were just here now. <laughs> we, just, yeah. we, we, uh, we had a little technical difficulty. Little technical difficulties. So Jeremy and, Jeremy and I met about nine years ago. Actually, nine years ago, almost like to the day. Um, and... Yeah. and we met in Brazil, and we, we were doing our yoga teacher training together. And I had never met Jeremy before, even though we're from the same town and we're like similar age. And <coughs> I arrived at this like really remote resort where we were staying, and I arrived late. And Jeremy was already there, and, and we were ro- roomed up together. And I get taken to my room, and I go in. Jeremy's still up with our other roommate, Scott. And Jeremy's sucking away on this, on this thing in his hand that looks like a... Kind of like a like an oversized like vaporizer or, or e cigarette that, that, that you call them now. Yeah. And I'm like, you're what? like, dude, curb your addiction. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm, like, yeah. Training. I'm like, what are you up to? Yeah, we're in the jungle in Brazil. I'm like, I was like, are you smoking weed? What is going on right now? <laughs> and then and and that was our introduction. And immediately, like one of our fir- our very first conversation was, oh no, this is um. You know, this is my this is my mask. This is, is that, my this is, is my treatment. Nebulizer. Were we doing your nebulizer? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was, he was yeah. doing his nebulizer, yeah. and and immediately our our first conversation was, "This is this is 
part of my treatment because I have CF. And then that was a, you know, me going, oh, well, what's, and then what about this and what about that? And, you know, over the course of the month that we spent together, I eventually learned that you can't be around other people mm-hmm. with CF. And I remember that just breaking my heart because. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Your, it's a it's a support, and it it is, and it's a very isolating thing because it's it's very different for, to 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 interact with people via a form versus interacting like face to face. As I think most people would realize, like that is a very different mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. And um, and hey, Will, thanks. I, I asked Will to come and take some shots while we're recording, so this is all <laughs> all great. Um, but uh, but it wasn't always like that. It was not always like that. I, I remember when I was a kid, um, I, was, I was in for a tune-up. Um, actually, I was in because I had a bowel obstruction. And there was a young girl named Alex. And Alex and I were the exact same age. And she was in for a tune-up. And we were, we were on the hospital floor. We, were in the, we, were, we, had, we shared a room. We were hanging out together. We would, like, we would play uh, hide-and-seek on the same floor. I remember one day, Alex and I go in go into this room, we're playing hide and seek and we're both on <laughs> fucking hide and seek with a, with an IV bag connected to a giant pole. So like clearly not, neither of us are going to do very good. And I remember hiding behind a bed and she comes and like, she pokes around she's like, gotcha. And then I kind of like try to run away and I forget my pole oh, and I continue no. to run and my IV oh, rips out of my arm. Oh, and I just like, I mean, the, my, you know, I was quite young. So the memory probably isn't as, Drastic, but I just it. When I when I think about it now, I just remember blood like t- Tarantino style spraying <laughs> the, the fucking like it's hospital just, room. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's kind of like a, <laughs> yeah, like, a, like a one second. Yeah, that's right, like, like on off a perfect beat. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know we can't. That's those days are gone. You yeah. know the, the the days of kids meeting together at a, at a summer camp to share their experience of living with CF. Those days are gone. Yeah. And um, that was three feet. Yeah, yeah, and they, it can continue, it continue to extend. To, to Justin, extend. do you do you remember the um, moment when you heard um, or when you th- kind of like conceptualized the idea of like, oh, this this crazy yeah, it was right thing then. should be. It, it was, was right then immediately. So it was one of those for me. <coughs> for me, it's inspiration hits and it hits right. It's um, I, I do my best to stay as open as I can, as I don't believe that we have any ideas ourselves. I don't really believe that ideas are generated by us ever. I think they come through us, Mm -hmm. which is a part of my kind of spiritual belief. It's one of the reasons, you know, you can look at people having the same ideas and, you know, TV shows come out or movies come out and they're like the same thing and they're a few months apart or, Mm -hmm. you know, books are so similar. But I don't believe that they're ours. I believe they come through us and they're meant to be shared for a reason. And I can tell you in that moment that Claire told me about this rule, was the moment I came up with the film because I t- mm-hmm. I said it out loud. I said, "Claire, this is a movie." Ooh. I said, "Claire, I have to make this movie." And she was like, "Whoa!" She was Claire. She was like, "Really?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You know, because I, I grew up on Romeo and Juliet was one of my favorite plays of all time." Yeah, I was in seventh grade. I was I played Mercutio, right? I was in it. I was <laughs> Mercur- awesome. I was two I was two roles. I was Mercutio in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. Two characters that both die. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, um, and so you know. And Romeo and Juliet, and all of these great love stories, you always have to have an obstacle. Yeah, Montagues and the Capulets, right? The two the star-crossed lovers whose parents won't let them be together, who can't, right? Well, this is this is a real thing. This mm-hmm. is an illness. This is science. This is not like, you know, someone making up a story. This is wait. This actually happens because then Claire started telling me that 
She's had friends that have gone through crazy, like cr- crazy experiences and went through great lengths to try to have relationships with CF. Yeah. And it never worked out. Yeah. But the thing that hit me the most from Claire was she also told me that the reason she doesn't have friends with cystic fibrosis is because she can't watch her friends die. Because there's something, and I know you can talk about this, and every person with CF has lost someone dear to them Mm -hmm. at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that, to me, is the most tragic part of it, which is the one person that you can connect with more than anyone else in the whole world you can't be friends with. And if you are friends with, then you are friends with that person full well knowing that there's a very good chance that one of you may not make it, especially when you're a kid, right? Yeah, and for me, Mm -hmm. that was Alex. Mm. She died. Uh, you know, and she was she was the person who who after we couldn't we couldn't hang out, we would stay in, in contact. I remember, you know, she she lived um, in like Enfield. She lived a couple towns over, and and we would just communicate through <clears throat> ICQ, MSN, and and mm-hmm. um, you know, eventually like things like um, like Facebook, and uh, and I just hadn't heard from her in like the longest time. And I went to her Facebook page, and I was kind of like, where where what's going on? And and so I just sent a message. To, to Alex, uh, and I got a response back, and it was her mom from Alex's account. She was just like, Jeremy, I just want to let you know Alex passed away about a month ago. Ugh. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, Claire, I agree with what Claire was saying. It's, it, it is hard. You know, mm-hmm. it is, it, it's just the, just the knowing that it's, it's such a possibility. Well, it's, it's also such a mirror, right? Because mm-hmm. until recently, it the you know i mean your life expectancy with cystic fibrosis was very young yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. it was 25 until not too long ago yeah and most of the kids that, that passed away passed away young yeah right so it makes sense because she every day and you every day you wake up with this illness mm-hmm. you wake up having to do hours of treatments you wake up having to to like just fight to do all the things that so many of us just do like with no appreciation for mm. It's, and I can understand how having a friend is just a mirror and like an, a, a reminder in a way that's like, oh wait, I, oh yeah, I do have this. And that, and that's that's exactly that was one of the feelings that I had watching Five Feet Apart. Like it was, a, it was such a, it was this huge, beaming mirror of like of this reminder of like, oh, yeah, like this is my, this is this is me, this is me. I, my treatments to me are are. Are like, are like brushing my teeth. I don't yeah. think about it. I just do it, and 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 to have something really reflect it back and make me really think, like, oh yeah, like you can't you can't afford to forget, you know, your your nebulizer at night. You can't afford to you know miss your creon enzymes from time to time. Like, well, how do you feel this morning? Like you fell asleep and and missed and missed like half of missed my hypertonic ceiling last night. I feel like. I feel like garbage today. You know, like you heard me coughing on the way over here. It's, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, guys, I might throw my back out today, you know? Um, but it's, it's invisible it, because you look at, you know, I, you're yeah. healthy and anyone else cool would just go and handsome and tattooed up and you're like, oh, yeah, he's rocking it. Yeah, he's rocking it. But then, like, yeah. and little, if anybody heard the, we all know. If anybody heard the cough, they'd just go, well, oh, he's got a, he's got a smoker. He, he's, yeah, yeah, he must be a smoker. Cool guy with yeah. cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, should, you look like you should have a pack of cigarettes rolled, rolled under your sleeve. Like, like the outsiders. Yeah, totally. But here's a question for you because. You know what I love about what you guys do is you bring joy and comedy mm-hmm. to these, you know, these situations and these conversations that so much of the world is afraid to have. 
And that was something that I know I was really cognizant of even doing my last days <laughs> was because I realized that y'all were the funniest motherfuckers ever. Like you guys were the ones that were like, you'd be talking about death and then you'd like flip it over and make comments about like something hilarious. Mm-hmm. And you were the ones that were making all of us feel better mm-hmm. about these situations. And I was like, wait a second. So comedy is such a huge part of illness, but we don't really talk about it that way. Mm-hmm. So in five feet apart and in my last days, we made such a conscious effort to go, all right, if there's a sad scene, then how soon, like, where's a funny scene? Or yeah. where's a heartwarming scene? Yeah. Because because I never, ever want to leave somebody, like, down. Yeah. Right. And a lot of those movies, like, you walk out of those movies and you just feel, like, wrecked and you just want to be, you're just destroyed forever. I you're was like, wondering, dude, like, I mean, not, no spoilers, but I was wondering how that how that movie was going to end. You know, like, the whole time, I, I, was, I was on the edge of my seat because yeah. I... I, you know what? I can't. I, well, I, I won't go there. But go there see the. Go see the. Thought, fuck. You probably thought it was going to end at a certain place. <laughs> there was a couple things that I thought, <laughs> and, and a few times where I was going, Justin, you son of a bitch. I know. But, you know, like, like <laughs> you, you know, the interesting thing is that the thing I was going to say is like, you know, even though conceptually it's like a, a really sad idea that you know these two people can't be together. Like that's it's so heartbreaking. But at the same time, I I didn't feel really sad the entire movie the characters there's so much humanity mm. to the, the movie and the, the characters are so incredibly you know happy and mm-hmm. and it's something that we think like these poor people who live with in with these illnesses like it, it would suck to be those people as somebody who's like healthy but in reality you look at you look at those characters and you just think man yeah. they're, they're, they're human living. beings they're, they're so living. happy like, they want to be Poe yeah, yeah, was amazing. You want to hang out with Poe, yeah. exactly. Right? That's yeah. the whole idea, right? Yeah. And anybody, right. Any, if, if there's anybody out there that's that that's listening, that's still trying to grapple with how there can be humor in these in these situations and in these stories and topics, the like, it's not the it's not the times where they're sitting in their bed you know, having this existential crisis about Sapatia and what that could do to you that is funny. It's the set and setting of the hospital and the dynamic between, like, Poe and Stella and the the conversations between, yeah, yeah, that are like, there's all this humor and, like, levity to be found in those relationships and in the goings-ons of of where they are and where they find themselves that's directly related to their illness. Like, they're all there because they're sick. And within that, there's all these amazing places to find like lighthearted humor and 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 laughs. Mm. And it was beautiful. Like Poe was, yeah. Poe was, po just, was you know, just you just fall in love. You just fall in love mm. with him. I'm ha- I'm really happy that you guys felt that because that was a that was a. But that's how that but that's how it was with Claire. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's how it was with Claire. Was it was not a depressing relationship. You mm. know, it was not a. She 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 wasn't. She didn't want to think about those things. She talked about death and dying, but she did it in like this strangely happy way. You know, She's, yeah, we could all get hit by a meteor yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, we could all die. Yeah, like, she was so incredibly you know? endearing, and and, and it, she was she she really was so special. When you got into when you made this transition in your twenties, was there something that provoked that, or was it kind of just like a, you just came it's around a really to a revelation? Question. No, man, it really was. So, um, well, in my. Uh, I went through a pretty gnarly breakup when I was like 25, I think, maybe 25. Yeah. Um, and I had really lost myself in this particular relationship and complete, just really forgotten who I was. Mm-hmm. And faith is a huge part of my life. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a Baha'i. I was raised in the Baha'i faith. And if you don't know what the Baha'i faith is, we essentially believe that all the religions are one. Like there's one God, not a guy in the sky with a beard, like this unknowable <laughs> essence that human beings. It's a lady in the sky can't. with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> a lady. Right. In fact, it's, the, it's from the greatest showman. It's the woman from the greatest showman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But the idea that like you can't comprehend God because we're finite and God is infinite. And all the religions essentially agree, like different grades in school. All the teachers teach the same math, but there's a foundation that you expand upon. Right. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with religion. And the core of all religions is love. That being said, a huge part of our faith is the idea that we are here to be of service and to contribute to the betterment of humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was 26, I really took a year to explore that. And I went to Haifa, Israel, where the Baha'i Gardens are. And I just, I remember I, I had this moment where I went to the shrine of Baha'u'llah, who is the, the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith. And I went and I just said, all right, God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life, but please use me. I was like, I don't care if it's acting or I don't care if it's about fame or money or any, I don't care about, just please use me to, to be a tool in some way to the betterment of mankind and to contribute. And I was, it was one of the most fervent, like honest prayers and conversations I've ever had with God. And uh, it was really funny because I went with my buddy on this trip to Israel and, uh, and we were, it was the first of a few different trips and it was also like a guy's trip. And I was never somebody that ever like, I was never like a guy that hooked up with a bunch of girls and like, you know, had promiscuous sex or anything. I was always like spiritual and kind of trying to be mm-hmm. a good guy. But I was like, I was, <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go to a wild, let's go to a month like dude's trip. Mm-hmm. And I don't care, you know what, I'm going to, it's like, like, you know what, I'm not going to do my nebulizer for a yeah, month. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, that. It's yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to forget about my spirituality. But it was funny because in the planning of the trip, I was like, but let's start it in Haifa. <laughs> let's start it. Let's go ultra spiritual right yeah. off the bat. Because I was like, because like, it just makes more sense on the map. Right. right. It's part of me that knew. And we, and my buddy and I had made this kind of agreement, like whoever, like if one of us gets an acting job, because we were, you know, struggling actors at the time, then, uh, then it has to be a certain amount of money or we, or we pass on it and we continue on the man trip. Ooh. Right. So I go, we go to Haifa. I get there and I'm like, what am I doing? And I have this incredible experience and I just break down at the shrine and I ask God to finally use me. And the next day I get a phone call saying I got this acting job and it was literally the exact amount of money and I couldn't go on the rest of the trip. My buddy went on and like just, no. just, just destroyed half of Europe probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I went back to LA, did this acting job, but then realized like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to do now. And I started this thing called the spiritual talk in my house where we had these amazing conversations where like a hundred of us got together every Sunday mm. in my living room and talked about, you know, what you guys talk about on this mm. podcast, like life's big questions, God, love, death, art, you know, all of these things. And it was open to all religions. And then that's how I met my wife. And that's how I realized like, wait a second, I'm not being fulfilled and that's what eventually led me to doing my last days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was that moment where I just really asked God to come in, like to use me in whatever way. Not like, oh, help me become more successful so that I can mm-hmm. do this. Or mm-hmm. help, like, let me, help me get that acting job. Or help me pay rent. It was no. It was selfless. It, it was, was use me. Like mm-hmm. let me be of service while I'm here on this earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a purpose. that's what changed my life. And that's what kind of, and since then I've never looked back. That's just my daily prayer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a d- detachment from all of, the stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to touch on uh, 
on Man Enough uh, because, it, like, this it's one of the reasons why you guys are I, doing Man I, Enough I, right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know what? Yeah. It, it's it, this is what you do is so is so in line with what we've been trying to do and trying, man. You're doing or, or you doing, yeah, or doing, doing, yeah, or doing, yeah, totally. And well, and you do it really incredibly as well. I mean, the the, the idea is is. Uh, why, why don't you let everyone know if they don't know what man enough is? Sure. What what the point of it is? So I, I guess, but I've I've always had this kind of weird relationship between me and my masculinity, mm-hmm. in the sense that I've never felt like <coughs> I was really masculine or man enough, um, and that's been a feeling I've had since I was a kid. You know, wanting to my, some of my earliest memories are wanting to be liked by other boys. Which is a weird thing, right? You would mm. think like you want to be liked by other girls, but mm. I always wanted to be liked by other boys. I wanted other boys to think that I was cool and mm-hmm. invite me mm-hmm. to play with them or like, you know, get picked on the kickball, you know, feel like, you know, first or second and not last, mm. which happened to me a lot. And, uh, and so I've always had this kind of strange relationship with, with being a man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I saw like, you know, I've gone through periods in my life where, I had no guy friends and I only had girlfriends. I was a, you know, I was a star athlete, but yet I wasn't accepted by the other guys or in moments I would be. Um, and I kind of always felt like I was more drawn to, like I had more in common with women, but I'm straight, right? I'm, I'm a straight white man, but I loved talking to women and having emotional conversations and doing mm. podcasts where ooh, I could share my feelings ooh. and, you know, verbalize how, like mm. what I'm going through and the human experience. Uh, but never really was able to do the like small talk with guys. Like yeah. when it was guys, it was like, <clears throat> "Hey, you see, uh, you see the game last night." Or, <laughs> and I don't drink alcohol, so you know, I, bars were never my thing. And I don't, you know, so so I've always had this weird relationship. So I think in my twenties, um, in dating, I also found that manifest in really bizarre ways. Like as I was dating women, because right. women are also culture or, or you know, kind of. Um, <sighs> They're, they're cultured to look at men in a certain way, just right. like men are you know, socialized to be a certain way. Yeah. And I found like I was trying to be a cert- different kind of guy to try to date women, and that wasn't working because I was like, mm. I would try to be an asshole but fail <laughs> at it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like so desperately try to not text a girl back like after 20 minutes and not understanding who invented these stupid fucking yeah. rules yeah. 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 where yeah. it's like, why can't I text her back? No, because you can't because like, you know, then you, she'll she'll think you're into her. I'm like, I am into her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, but you can't. She can't think you're into her. And I was like, this doesn't. Who invented this? This is backwards. Yeah. Tell right. her you had an okay time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah give her a negative compliment. Yeah. And just none of it ever felt intuitively like it made sense, and it never resonated with me. So, um, as I kind of got older, and as I found a little bit of success um, around the same time of my last days, I had another idea, which was wonder if there's a way to do a conversation show with men. Because I've always longed for deep conversations with men. Ooh. And then when I got old enough and started asking my men, male friends to have these conversations, I found them to be the most rewarding conversations of my life. Right. right. Yeah. And, and like I identified with the way that you describe yourself so much. And I think that probably a lot of a guys lot of do. Guys but do. like, is yeah. that what you're finding? Is that, is, are you yeah. finding that these guys are just like, man, like, Finally, like there's a, a an outlet for me to like express myself it's this way. Really yeah, because we've just that. been craving vulnerability with mm-hmm. uh, with with it. it it's <coughs> like it, what I call it is it's like making the journey from your head to your heart. It's been a really interesting thing to see how simply a conversation amongst men um, without like filters mm-hmm. has been able to like show other men that 
that vulnerability is a strength and that it's okay. And we're not like out here, we're not trying to tear men apart either. I mean, that's the other thing about man enough is I'm not like on a journey to end masculinity by any means. Mm -hmm. I don't even like the word toxic masculinity because I believe that that's been weaponized and politicized. I agree. And the men that I'm interested in connecting with are not liberal men because then you're preaching to the converted. I'm interested in, I'm interested in the men that grew up in places like I grew up in Oregon that come from a more conservative background that maybe want a a license to carry a a concealed weapon, Mm. you know, maybe, you know, maybe they are members of the NRA. I'm interested in like the men that, that, you know, go to church on Sundays with their families, but yet secretly have a porn addiction. Mm. You know, I'm interested in, in all of the men that show, uh, uh, you know, and present a certain way to the world, but deep inside they feel differently at home and they don't and they they feel trapped and they feel stuck because because i've been that man and in many ways i am that man and and uh and so anyway so that's what man enough really is at its core it's a conversation Mm -hmm. starter where we get together and we shoot here in my house and Mm -hmm. you just filmed one will was saying yeah uh, we just filmed one last weekend about caretaking which which i think you'll find really interesting yeah no doubt who did you have in for that we had um we had a, a football player named Devin uh, Still, who uh, Still, whose daughter had cancer. Yeah, and um, um, we had a really interesting actor named Malik Yoba, um, and uh, another actor named Nathan, who um, whose wife has uh, uh, it's it's that it, what is that called? Um, it's the it's the disease where your uterus kind of gets. Um, endometriosis. Endometriosis. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we've we've covered endo a couple times. It yeah. sounds and, awful. Yeah, and yeah. he he yeah. broke down in tears talking about you know about it and what he experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was just it was really really a cool experience. But anyways, so not to hijack the whole conversation. No, no, but yeah, no. That's this is, really yeah. that's really at its core what it is. It's a conversation well, with starter. with um. I I, I want to be careful about like focusing too much on like the binary uh, aspect of this. But like what import what what. Role or how important is the role that women women play in um, like these types of conversations? Well, if it were not for women, we wouldn't be able to have the conversations. Like Ooh. women have been lead, women have led the way to make even us sitting in in conversation possible. Because you know, look, women have been fighting for the most basic human rights for as long as I think humanity has existed, and. All credit is due to mm. women. Like Man Enough doesn't exist without the feminist movement mm. and without mm-hmm. women leading the way. So, mm-hmm. so you can't have a conversation about what it means to be a man uh, without women modeling how to have that conversation and uh, suffering in so many ways for our benefit. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. When you were saying, when you were talking about your relationship with, with your relationship with coming up and going, you know, I want to, I want to talk to this, I want to talk to this woman, but I'm, I'm being this other person, or I'm trying, I'm trying to fit this other person's persona to talk to this woman. It's kind of like, on a personal level, being straight, it was, it was talking to girls that started to make me realize 
that I'm really not being myself. Like it is, it was there. It's almost like the mirror being reflected yeah, back and going. Because women can see through that. A lot totally. Of and you're just like, and you're just like, you're just like, this isn't working, and this is not, this is not me. And why am I, why am I doing this, and why am I being this way? And and from that, like, from an individual standpoint, like if you don't have that mirror being reflected back at you by by women in in my in my case or in our case, then then where do you get that signal that you need to you need yeah. to break the mold? Mm-hmm. I don't know any man. I have no man in my life or that I've ever met who has become a great man without women. Ooh. I don't know. I can't look at any like singular man who is considered great, who hasn't hasn't been affected or molded or made great by women. And if you think about it, women are our first educators. There's even a quote in the Baha'i writings that talks about um, if you have two children, a boy and a girl, but you can only <coughs> afford to educate one, you educate the woman. You educate the girl because she's the one that grows up. She's the first educator and she's the one that will have the largest impact on society. Ooh. Right. So even thinking about it that way, like you can't have these siloed conversations amongst men and then go out in the world and think that, okay, I'm a better man or I've changed. Yeah, that's a part of it. But at the end of the day, it's our relationships with women, whether you are straight or, you know, not straight or non, whatever it is that you are, it's, it's so many of those conversations that allow us to become better men. Ooh. And I can tell you right now, my wife is single handedly uh, <laughs> um, deconstructed so many of the, the, the problems and the problematic behavior that I've kind of grown up with mm-hmm. yeah, as absolutely. a man. Dude, yeah, yeah same with mine. Yeah. <laughs> Bridie, you know, I said, I made a post the other day, like, she's my, she's my greatest teacher. She's taught me so much, you know? Yeah. She sounds awesome. She's by pretty the way. rad. She's a pretty rad lady. Bridie's all right. She's pretty great. Yeah. I, just don't, right. I don't get why people are so resistant to vulnerability in conversation because, like, it just connects us <laughs> so, like, Sitting here, Justin, with you and talking for like an hour and being able to be vulnerable and connect on these these deeper kind of subject matters, it like we leave here way better friends than if we just talked about like the game that happened last <laughs> night or whatever you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just why why be so resistant to such powerful connection? Mm. I think I think we're resistant to things that are um challenging and scary to a certain extent you know we haven't been socialized to see vulnerability as strength and anytime you're 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 taking like a like a societal construct and flipping it on its head and challenging it it comes becomes difficult i mean look at racism <laughs> like mm-hmm. the most simple like it's easy for us to say now, but there was a time when that was the unpopular opinion. Yeah, right. Ooh. And, <laughs> oh, and I know it's yeah. crazy. Well, think, right? Yeah. Like there was a time when our wives weren't able to vote. Yeah. Like, and you think about that, and it wasn't that long ago. No. Like very recent. That's crazy. It wasn't <laughs> that long ago, and there are certain parts of America where it still it would still exist. Yeah. Right, and we're seeing that now. There's certain yeah. there's there's belief systems that are in place today all over the world that will blow your mind, and it's all about shifting the way that we think about things and shifting that culture. And that process is uncomfortable, but that process that uncomfortable process, as we've learned, is the most rewarding thing in the entire world. So Ooh. at first, there is this little bit of like because I experience it too sometimes with friends, which is okay. I know in my head that 
like the real connection is by me saying this or being vulnerable or telling somebody how I feel or looking you in the eye. But there's still a part of me because of the way that I was socialized that has to fight against that because my 30 years on this planet have taught me to not do that, mm-hmm. right? To not hug another man or, you know, to not look at them in the eye or to not admit weakness, right? Because then I am now giving that power up and I'm no longer the alpha. Now, these have mm-hmm. never been like, there was never like a book that was handed to us as men, as young men and like, okay, here are the rules. They're all unwritten rules, right? Right. But for so many people, like that's, that's just the way that it is. And for me, it was like, ripping that apart, recognizing my privilege, recognizing that that was actually contributing to my unhappiness and, and, and hurting me in my relationships that allowed me to do that. And that's kind of why I'm on this journey doing the same thing. But it's uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. But once you get through it and you're on the other side, right? Like, you know, it's that, that, I, that saying that on the other side of fear is bliss. It, but that's what it feels like. Like yeah. the, the relationships with your friends, like you guys, I'm sure you have like the tightest clothes. You can talk about anything mm-hmm. and everything. And if God forbid anything were to happen to any one of you, you'd be there in a second. And it's like, there's nothing that can break that bond because you've been through so much together. Mm-hmm. You've seen each mm-hmm. other at your worst and at your best and you've held each other. And, and men that have gone through war as an example, like they have those types of bonds because they've been scared together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, they've cried and missed their kids together. Yeah. They've had to like, like, had to avoid getting blown up or shot together, and there's there's that connection that you can't like that you can't ever get past, mm-hmm. or you can't ever uh, get rid of or diminish, and that's what I think we're all longing for, but we don't have words to to put that into action. So it starts with education. It starts with teaching our young boys that you know crying is okay, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It starts Ooh. with teaching our young boys that it's okay to to talk about your feelings, right? And that doesn't make you weak. And that weak is not synonymous with being a woman, right? Or feminist and, you know, and, and, and expect and being gay. Like like, at one point Mm. that was the worst thing that anyone could say. Well, clearly it's not look at like, (laughs) you know, so it's, we have to, it's like a slow re-education. Yeah. Right. And so that like two generations from now, it's not something that we're trying, that we're sitting around having conversations about how we, how we do it, but it's just it's there. It's just there. Yeah. It's like it's 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 as it, it should be in the future as mind blowing that we as what existed you just, yeah. as like the fact that as women you just couldn't said. vote or that That's there right. was you know yeah or that you could that there was yeah. that there were segregated yeah. restrooms. Yeah. We were having this conversation on the way here, going, is it will texting and driving twenty years from now? be the same as we grew up thinking about drinking and driving. Yeah. Like, yeah. Will, will we, I think it's not 20 years. I like, think it's worth like, right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. will we, like, will we have that? And, and then, so will this be, will this be that? It's just, it just is. I think yeah. that there's a lot. I think we're in this, this really cool time where all of these um, impurities are kind of coming to the surface, like a filter because mm-hmm. of social media and because of, like we're just constantly the pendulum is constantly correcting itself. There's yeah. so much more awareness. Yeah. So much more awareness. And of course, and we also have to be mindful that that awareness but taken too far can lead to mm-hmm. lead to other things as well. Like right. once that pendulum swings past that, you know, that middle point, that it threshold. can swing so far that then it does more damage, but then mm-hmm. eventually it'll swing back and right. hopefully we can find our balance, which is what I think kind of is happening right now in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know that we're getting short on time and I, I, I am really curious, but we've been talking a lot about death in the last few days just with the, the guests that we've been speaking to and, and being like uh, a person of faith and, you know, having this, um, like meeting Claire and, and being able to see um, everything that she went to and, and, 
her confronting her own mortality, what has your experience been with um, contemplating death and your mortality? That's a really interesting question. So I feel like every, you know, every day I'm texting with somebody who's dying. Uh, the weirdest part is that I have to keep reminding myself that they're just dying faster than me. Right, because we're all dying. Yeah, because we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that Claire talked about. But you know, Claire was, Claire was one of, you know, I'm, my next movie is about this young kid named Zach Sobiak, who was like my little brother, who had osteosarcoma. Then he wrote this song called Clouds that mm. went everywhere all over the world. I'm, that's a documentary I made for my last days. And he was 18 when he died. But that, if I look at all the my last days that I've made, I think I've lost 12 or 13 mm-hmm. friends. Um, not including the friends I've lost in my own life and family. And, uh, and I've had a very close relationship with death for a very long time, so much so that, you know, we both did the end well talk, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like I always kind of found myself as this death explorer, like this, ex- like this explorer that wanted to have this understanding of like, wait, so we're all going to die? Yeah. What does that mean? Where are we going? Yeah. The book that Stella's reading in the movie um, it's called Life, Death, and Immortality. I'm going to give it to you um, before Ooh. we leave. It's basically just all these quotes on the Baha'i writings about what happens when you die. Um, conceptually, I understand. But I think there's a difference between having something in your head and having something in your heart, right? Absolutely. And, and, and Claire was somebody that, that actually was able to live with this knowing mm-hmm. that it wasn't the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that human beings, and, and I'm still working on this, but... You know, there's the there's a rational fear of death. There's a rational fear of God. There's a rational fear of the unknown, and it's supposed to, in so many ways, be a motivator. I believe to like get us to do shit. If none of us were worried about death, we would have no reason to get up in the morning and do anything, right? If you weren't worried about the, like if we were just going to live forever, the world would look completely different. If there was no end date or expiration, if we didn't physically age. There wouldn't be a there wouldn't be a rush to do anything. We would just like it would be fine. Why you know? Yeah. Why have why? why 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 do anything? So There'd probably be less traffic in LA. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so so for me, I I have this deep knowing. This if I strip my fears away, I have this deep knowing that this for sure is not the end. And I can tr- like go back and have these ex- and I see experiences from from holding my uncle's hand as he passed away and watching like little miracles that happened, which I shared in, in the speech that we did to, to other experiences with Claire or with other people that have passed. And just also the way that I get inspiration and the fact that I talk to people that have passed like a crazy person mm. when I really need it and I see things happen. I have a deep knowing, but that doesn't actually take away my own fear of death. And being super honest, it for sure is a real thing for me. And definitely one of my motivators in life is like, I, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to make peace with the fact that one day I won't be here. And what mm. happens is when I, when I think about my life, my biggest fear is not being around for my kids and mm-hmm. my wife because now I have kids. And there's a selfishness that comes from that, like the selfishness of I want to see them get married and have kids yeah. and be old with them and mm-hmm. a selfishness of also wanting to be with my wife until we're old and gray and seeing what that feels like and having those. So, so as comfortable as I am with the idea that we're all going to die and that I'm going to die and a deep belief in knowing that, that it's not the end and that this is in many ways just the beginning, there is a selfish fear that, uh, that is like, well, what if, I'm, what if something happens before I'm ready or 
I haven't done everything I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And that's when faith has to come in. <clears throat> that's where faith for me is, okay, but this is your, this is really your world and your life, God. And yeah. if I'm really going to be used as a tool, then I need to also understand that I'm here as long as you want me to be here. And when I'm not here anymore, then that's my, that's part of my next journey. And then that's also for other people. So, you know, of course my prayer is that I'm here for, for a long time and I selfishly get to experience the beautiful things of this world because I fucking love life. Yeah. 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 I love, I love the world. I I love life. I wake up and I'm like, there's so much to do and there's so little time. Right. And I feel like even if I had 90 years, it's kind of, I feel like Hamilton, like, why do you write like you're running out of time? I'm like, 90 years isn't enough because the world needs so much. And that's what I see. Like, that's what I think about. And so it's this desire to do, to change and to fix things and to make things better and improve the world that it's like, no, give me 180 years. It's not like I want 90 years to like lie on a beach somewhere and like just hang out. It's like, no, I want 90 years to figure out what are all the things that I can do to contribute. Mm-hmm. That's why it doesn't feel like enough, and that's kind of, and that's the thing about that that scares me is like, mm-hmm. did I reach my potential? But like, it's motivating you all the time. It's Ooh. a motivator. It's absolutely a motivator. <laughs> but at the same time, like, what are we motivated by? We're, we're motivated by fear as well. There's also a there's a healthy fear that I think is also important. And if we didn't have fear, yeah, it's like it lights that fire. Yeah. What if we didn't have fear? What if human beings Ooh. didn't have fear? You we can't would, have courage without fear. You know, it's, it, they're, and they're all synonymous. They're yeah. all like they're always two things at once. Yeah. Justin, man, you're my you're my spirit animal. <laughs> oh, I, that's the sweetest thing. I don't know if I've, anyone's ever said that before. But well, I, I do have to say, you are you're a huge you're a huge inspiration for us. Oh, and man. and to have the opportunity to to come all the way down here from from Halifax and to to you know have you invite us into your into your own home to to have this conversation is something that I will never forget. Uh-huh. And and I think it's it, without a doubt, is a highlight of of what we've been doing for the last like three years. And I just want to say, like, from the bottom of my lungs, thank you so so much mm. for this opportunity, and thank you for everything that you've you've done and that you continue to do, because it really it really is make making um, it's having an effect. No thank doubt, you, man. And likewise for you guys, it's really cool to see three men constantly go deep and have these conversations Ooh. and also become celebrated for those conversations. You're really giving a voice to so many that don't feel like they have one mm. and making like illness cool in this weird kind of way in a lot of ways, which I think is so badass and so disruptive. And, uh, and it's just fun. It's just, isn't it cool that we live in a time and a place where like you can do this or you can just have conversations. It's pretty radical. Yeah. And then be known for that and have that be kind of your career. Yeah. And then like randomly meet people out of the blue and like other parts of like the world and then, you know, connect and be able to then come together and do this. I just think this, this is wild. back to it's life. The, it's, it's like we're so blessed thing. Yeah. to be able to, you know, that your thoughts and ideas can now reach. Because yeah. you know, 150 years ago, there was Morse code. Like there, there was yeah, that, yeah. you know, but now like your thoughts and ideas get to give hope to another kid with CF who you, Ooh. who was you when you were like five yeah. and they can look at that and be like, Oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Like that's really fucking cool. Yeah, that's pretty rad. And you're making a big difference and I'm grateful to be on the podcast and I want to do it again. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. This is our first time to LA, but it's not the last time we're like, is it the first time to LA. It's my first time to LA my and first Brian's time, first time. No way. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. You don't get sun right now. 
Uh, so it, was, had, it was pretty it good was this beautiful week. Yeah, the start of the week. To where we're yeah. coming from. And we've been talking about how to be here more, so. Um, yeah, we got to do this more. I yeah. really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. How can yeah, people check, uh, check out what you're up to? Um, let us know. When, when is the premiere? Of- March. Uh, so the movie opens March 15th. Um, I believe it's March 15th in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then all over the world the following weekend. Um, the movie's called Five Feet Apart. And uh, you can follow me on social media. It's just my name, Justin Baldoni. And... Check out Man Enough and yeah. all the other fun stuff. But Everybody sweet. go see that movie. Go see it. We yeah, should see if see we it. can uh, throw like uh, an event yeah. in, back in Halifax while we're home. Yeah, we definitely we should. That'd yeah. be a good idea. Yeah. Um, thank you again. Thank you. man. This is amazing. I'm so happy that you liked the movie because, dude, it was made for it was made for you. Yeah, and it spoke it, to me. It really was deeply. Man. That makes me so happy. Well, there, there you go. There you have it. That was our conversation with Mr. Baldoni. Dude, isn't he like the coolest guy ever? Don't you just want him to be your dad and your boyfriend and your brother all at the same time? No. I don't know. I thought about that more, and I, I think I stick by that. Do you? Yes, but, but, in, but, in, um, but in like parallel timelines. Okay, all and, right. And the timelines are merged. <laughs> If that makes sense. I don't, I, I don't know how that looks. I think I'm on board with it as long as uh, he's not your boyfriend and your dad and brother in the same timeline. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. Um, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, and again, we just want to remind you uh, that conversation wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for our, our wonderful patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash sickboy and, and support um, if, you, if you like what we're up to. Um, and why don't you give some thanks there, Bri, for, for how this is all put together. Um, well, uh, a huge thank you to Donovan, the meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design. Um, if you're wondering why it sounds like I'm underwater right now, it's because he is just so incredibly amazing with his yeah, specifically special effects underwater from the film, uh, water world, which I believe was shot in Southern California. Uh, which is where this recording took place. So, Donovan, there's a challenge for you. Yeah, thanks, Donovan. And uh, thank you to the band formerly known as Take Part, formerly known as Florida Man, currently known as Jerry's. Is um, it, are they Jerry's? Is I it, don't know. We, we haven't got, confirmed we really that yet. ask about that. But uh, anyway, thanks, guys, for letting us use, use your music for the, the theme for the show. Um, and just one last time, please go over and support us on Patreon. Um, we are coming out with uh, these new host episodes every month. Yeah, we're really starting, beating that one to death, aren't we? Starting in April, so make sure that you head to <laughs> patreon.com slash sickboy, and, uh, and, and that's it. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Jeremy, and you were just listening to Brian and Justin, and this is Sick Boy. That's, that's already cut in, right? No, it's not. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.